This is the motherfucking Blunt Doctor Show on a Saturday afternoon. How about that? Instead of waiting until the middle of the night to talk about something when I'm half fucking asleep and probably mostly wasted, we're going to actually break out the microphones in the middle of the day and talk about something. Well, I'll be goddamned. What a shock. Because there's a lot of fucking shit to talk about, but there is one specific issue that I am fired up about. We're going to get to that in the middle of the episode because I can never lead with what you want to actually hear because you always got to leave them wanting more, right? You always got to build up to it. I follow the uh, reality TV standard where you spend three hours hyping something that lasts for 30 seconds and then spend 45 minutes of the episode building to. That's how we do it here. But let's dive in with, of course, a political rant because that is how we start things here. A lot of this episode will be political, I'm honest with you, because the basketball subject I want to talk about is also fairly political, or at least cultural and societal in a way. Um, But Governor whatever, whatever, I'm not going to say his motherfucking name from Tennessee, has signed into law a bill that is incredibly vague that, you know, bans drag shows. But essentially the bill is so vague that it could be used in any situation that if any person was dressed in a way that, you know, a police officer in Tennessee didn't like, they could theoretically arrest people for, you know, violating this law. And, and it's just, you know, it's widely written so that it can be used indiscriminately, essentially to attack any people who are not straight white people. That's literally what this is. If you're not a straight white person, if you're an LGBTQ member of any community, we're going to write a bill to attack you. And I know that I've talked about this on a lot of episodes and people may be getting sick of hearing about it, but how do you think I feel? Every single goddamn day, there's a new law that passed that basically says I can't exist as I want as a person because somehow that's sexualizing children. And again, I've said this before. The only people who are sexualizing children are the people passing these laws. When I put on, when I dress in cross... When I put on women's clothes or whatever, that has nothing to do with children. In no way are children involved. It's the most ludicrous concept. And the thing is that by this law, any girl who is a tomboy could go to jail. So if you, for example, wore jeans and a t-shirt and a flannel and someone decided that didn't match your gender identity, you could go to jail in Tennessee now. So, like, for those of you women who are tomboys or considered yourself tomboys growing up and didn't want to dress as you know the typical girly way that you were told you could be in under attack in this law and obviously that's not the goal of the law it's not even the stated goal since the obvious stated goal is to attack and jail lgbtq people but that is the slippery slope because once you start letting them attack you know trans people and drag queens and people of any sort of gender identity that isn't straight white male and straight white woman they'll come for everything else This is exactly how the Nazis behaved, literally to a fucking T, okay? They start creating a false enemy and tell you that that person is the reason for every single thing that's wrong in your life, and then they start telling you that you need to attack that person because it's that person's fault. This is literally exactly what the Nazis did with the Jews, and the Republicans are now running that playbook with LGBTQ people and black people. How are they doing it with black people, you ask? Well, as many different black people have noted, Shalise Manza-Young says this all the time on Twitter, when white Republicans use the word woke, they really mean the N-word. They really mean the N-word. That's really what it is, because anytime they describe something as woke, it's in a derisive, 
you know, ridiculous way that it, they're really just saying they hate black people. That's really all it is because it's always about a black person. Oh, you're so woke, blah, 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 on racial issues, blah, blah, blah. And they really just mean I hate N-word. That's really all they're saying. And if you think I'm full of shit, go listen to everything that Marjorie Taylor Greene has ever said about woke agendas and just replace those things with the N-word. Just in your head, just just listen to that. And she, it's it's just the truth. White Republicans hate black people. And I think that this is a really important distinction for people to understand. And this is the reason that I hammer this stuff and say it over and over, because I think that a lot of Democrats and liberals don't understand this. I think that a lot of liberals believe that deep in their hearts, Republicans are just good people who are misguided and they love America and they would never do anything, blah, blah, blah. You don't fucking understand what you're talking about. Number one. We do not have a two-party system in this country, okay? We have an extreme right-wing party and a centrist right-wing party. We have one and a half parties at best. Everything in this country is from a right-wing perspective, and that is a fucking fact. Whether it is a political perspective, whether it's in your newspaper, whether it's on television, whether it's on the radio, everything comes from a right-wing perspective because the right-wing perspective has been draped and covered everything in this country basically since 9-11, your freedoms have been taken away from you and every single thing that you believe in, every single thing that you know to be right has been stripped away and ground down into nothing since 9-11 so that you would believe that anything you ever did that might be traitorous to the United States of America makes you evil. And by the way, what they view as traitorous to the United States of America is anything that a straight white man or woman would not do. That's how they view these things. This is not... A few misguided people who don't understand what's going on. This is a complete rewrite of what conservative America is all about. You can go look at Republican platforms from the 1950s and they will look exactly like a Democratic platform from today. I'm not kidding. The Republican Party is not who they used to be in any way, shape or form. And all those people who used to be normal Republicans who were just about small budgets and fiscal policy, this, that, or the other, blah, 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 they're now in the Democratic Party. So the Republicans are a party of racists, and the Democrats are a party of Republicans. That's what we have in this country. Nazis have grabbed hold of the right-wing party in this country. Nazis. That is not an overstatement. That is not an exaggeration. Nazis have control of the right-wing party in this country, your country, the country that you live in, the country that your grandparents likely fought to save from Nazis, now has 30% of its control by Nazis. That is a fucking fact. That is something that you need to think about. That is something that you need to consider every goddamn time you consider skipping voting. Every single time that you say to yourself, oh, it doesn't matter. I could run for local office, but I don't need to. This country is at war. We are under siege by Nazis. And guess what? This is the kind of propaganda bullshit that they say about me for wearing a wig. Putting on a wig means we're at war. And they want to come here and they want to take my son from me. They want to make sure that I don't have children or don't have rights. And they think that I won't fight back. And they think that I won't defend myself and defend my family. And guess what, conservatives? You're fucking wrong about that. Have you ever heard of the Socialist Rifle Administration? We've got a saying. If you go far enough left, you get your guns back. And that's where we are. That's where the leftists are at this point in time. You want to bring a civil war at us? Congratulations. You're going to lose. And guess what? We're in better shape. 
It's been pretty well proven since none of you can breathe through a paper fucking mask. Huh? How about that? Can't even walk down the street, can't eat pussy, but you're going to fight a war? Fuck you. You're a bitch if you're a Republican. You're all weakling little terrified little pussies who are fucking afraid of everything. Oh, I can't take my family to Chicago because it's dangerous. Oh, I can't take my family to New York because there might be a homeless person there. Fuck you. You're all pathetic. You're all fucking losers. This country was built on the downtrodden people of the world coming here to reset their lives and change everything and build a future for themselves. This country was built on people who are different finding a place to call home because somewhere else persecuted them and said they couldn't be who they wanted to be. That's what this country was fucking founded on. This country was founded on the ideal of you can be yourself. You can be human. Now, of course, this country was also founded on the idea that that was only true if you were a white person and not a native person or a black person. But we love to hide that. But the point is, the supposed stated goal of this country, the thing that we supposedly repeat to each other, is supposed to be that anyone can be themselves and live as themselves here. Unless you're in Tennessee, unless you're in Louisiana, unless you're a woman, unless you're a person of color, unless you're a native person, unless you're black, unless you're from Africa, unless you're from China, unless you're Middle Eastern, unless you're anything other than a straight fucking white man or woman. But this is the land of the free and the home of the brave for straight white people. And that's what this ultimately boils down to, is that every single thing in this country is for straight white people. Every single system that exists, exists to benefit straight white people. This system is built to destroy people of color, and now it is also being used to destroy people from the LGBTQ community. Make no mistake, every single thing in this country was built to stop black people and native people. That is the honest to God truth. That is, that is how we built this country. We built this country to make sure that black people and native people could not have power. And now those same systems that are keeping down people of color are using are being used to marginalize LGBTQ people. So imagine what it must be like to be like a black lesbian in this country. I cannot even imagine because it basically must feel like every single thing that exists is designed to keep you from being successful or from being happy or even from being able to be yourself. That's 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 who we are. And if you're I mean if you're a black trans lesbian, God help you. I don't even know. This world is this world is fucked. But the thing is, is that we continue to usher it in because we don't do anything about it, because we sit on our asses and basically say, well, it doesn't affect me, so it doesn't matter. Carrie Lake is continuing to sue her way up the courts, trying to find a way to get them to overturn an election that she clearly lost because Republicans don't live in reality. Okay, they live in this little fantasy land that they've created in their heads where every single thing is 1950s America and every woman is barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen baking pie and every man has an office job and drinks a two martini lunch and smokes a cigar on his drive home. It's bullshit. It's not real. They're delusional. And you have got to do everything you can to show this to the people in your lives. And I know that it's so difficult for some of you. And I know people personally who have these discussions and they're fruitless all the time and it hurts them. And it doesn't matter. You have have to keep trying because the only thing that you can do is continue to try or not deal with those people. Those are the only two options. You cannot be complacent. You're not you just can't continue to let these things happen because 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 they continue to make it so that some of us can't even live. 
It's not an issue of, well, why can't we just disagree? You don't get to disagree on the rights of humans. You don't get to disagree on people's right to exist as who they are. And that's what Republicans are asking you to do. They're asking you to say that it's okay to debate the humanity of people that they don't like. And it is your job to say, no, I do not accept that debate. That is not something that I accept. And that is not something I will participate in. We cannot disagree. You can listen to me and you can learn and you can grow. That is your responsibility. I'm putting that on you because I have taken that because I have said to people around me, if you don't grow, you get the fuck out. And I know that it's physically painful for some people to do. I know that I, I really do. And I know that it's impossible for some people to do, but it doesn't mean you don't try. And it doesn't mean you, you just quit. And, and, and that's the thing is so many people just quit. So many of us just quit and say, I'm not even going to make the effort. I'm not even going to give a damn, but you can't. You just can't. You have to keep trying. Maybe you need to take a break. Maybe you need to step away for a while. Maybe you can't do it every single day, but you still have got to try. You still have got to put it out there because people who are innocent in every single way are dying, are under attack because of who they are, because of their brain chemistry, because of their skin color, because of things that have literally nothing to do with anything they could ever control. And by the way, they shouldn't have to control them. People say, oh, it's outside my control, but it doesn't matter. It shouldn't be within your control. It doesn't mean that if it was within your control, black people would suddenly change themselves to white. That's ludicrousness. It doesn't have anything to do with what's outside of our control or within our control. It has to do with hatred. Hatred is evil. And there's no, it's not funny, it's not cute, it's not good to joke about. We need to just, we must destroy the white supremacist system that exists in this country. And as long as people like Governor whoever from Tennessee are allowed to, you know, pass these bills and as long as these, you know, local people in office are allowed to write these insane things, this will continue to happen. So again, I ask you, I beg of you, you don't have to run yourself. Not everyone can run. Not everyone has the clean history to run. Not everyone has the literal physical time to run. Those of us with small children, very difficult, understandable. But you can support someone in your community. You can find a young up and coming person and encourage them to do it. You can spend an hour a week on a campaign. We can all do a little bit more. I have literally morphed this podcast into 30% about politics because I want to educate those people who do listen to this, okay? And it's a random spattering of people from all around. It's a few hundred people listen to the show. I always joke about, it's two people. I always make that joke, as both of my listeners know, which is an old Conan O'Brien joke from Late Night with Conan O'Brien. But the truth is, this show is listened to by a few hundred people. Not everyone listens to every episode, and not everyone listens to every episode immediately, but... Many people have listened somewhat and at least given me some of their time. And so I say to those people, make that little bit of extra effort. That's why I've done this. Okay, I've struggled formatting this show because I just kind of want to talk about what I want to talk about that day. Is it basketball? Is it NBA basketball? Is it NCAA basketball? Is it the NFL? Is it NCAA football? Is it sports in general? Is it gambling? Is it contracts? What do I want to talk about? Well, what I want to talk about is what's right in this world and what's going on in the NBA. If I can throw in some NFL topics, I'll do that too. If there's something else going on in the sports world I want to talk about, I'll do that as well. But it is crucial to me that I spend 15 to 20 minutes of every episode of this show letting you know what's going on in this world and how we need to fight it. 
I don't enjoy bringing negativity to people. It's not fun. A couple of people have come to me at different times and told me they didn't even know about a particular news story until they heard about it on my podcast. So some of the things that I have brought up do matter to people and they do reach. And that's my point. I'm a, a, I'm one person editing this show. I'm putting it together myself. I don't have a lot of guests. I don't have a producer. I don't have advertisers. I don't have marketing. I don't do any of that. It's just me. But I have still reached people. I have still reached people I didn't even know. People who reached out to me and said, thank you for saying that. And that's not patting myself on the back. I don't give, that, that has nothing to do with that. What I'm saying is, if I, a random person putting together a podcast, one man band, doing this myself, can reach people who don't even know me, who say that touched me, that helped me, then what can you do reaching out to those around you in your community? What can I do? What more can I do? I should do more. I'm going to take every single word I say to you and I'm going to put it out there myself. I'm going to do it. But what can we do? Because we can't let this continue. We cannot let this slide continue. This cannot be 1930s Nazi Germany because that means that the next decade is 1940s Nazi Germany. But the difference is there are no Americans coming to save us in that scenario. No one's going to invade this country to save us from ourselves. I'm quite certain that the rest of the world would be content to watch us burn. I'm 100% in that. I, I, I am certain that they would be just fine. If an American civil war broke out, I don't see any reason why any country would want to stop us. And I'm not saying that this is a good thing or that this should happen, but I'm saying this is this is where we're at. Marjorie Taylor Greene wants a national divorce. Some people were about on the civil war, blah, blah, blah. This is insanity. And so I say this. And I know that this will not be heard by Republicans, but it doesn't matter because I say it because it's true. We are all one people. No matter what country you're from, no matter what your race, your religion, doesn't matter. Your background, your culture, we are all one people. Every single person on this planet is equitably valuable to every other person. Now, once you start committing murders and rapes, your value suddenly plummets. But from the day that you're born, you are just as valuable as anyone else. No one's better. No one is more deserving. Americans do not deserve more. Being randomly selected to be born within certain boundaries does not somehow make you divine. We are sickening. We are a disgusting breed of people. We are... I loathe what we are, but we can be better. We can do more, but it starts with all of us. I said it before on the last episode, we need to do every single thing we can to eradicate hate in the next generation of this country. We need to do every single thing that we can to raise our children to understand that loving people is the key, not hating them, and that what unites us is important, not what divides us. And that seems like rhetoric. It seems like cliched bullshit, but it's true. We literally have reached a point where some people in this country, not some people, roughly one third of this country believes that the other 70% doesn't have rights and that they'll go to war for that. 30% of our country is wildly delusional. And that's what it takes to form a Nazi party. And that's what it takes to fuck up this world. And that's what we cannot let happen. And I ask you, take part. Stop this.
This is very literally a moment in human history that will be discussed. It will be taught about in schools. It will be talked about for generations. And people will ask you, your grandchildren will ask you, what did you do in the face of tyranny? Because that is what is standing against us. Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, Donald Trump, and the rest of the Democratic Party represent a threat to this country and our freedoms. They represent a threat to the world. They are an autocratic, tyrannical group of psychopaths who want to do everything they can to install all of them or one of them as the leader of the free world. And your grandchildren and great-grandchildren will ask you, what did you do to stand against this? And I want you to have a fucking answer for that. I want us all to have an answer for that. Let's fight. And on that note, I want to completely pivot. And I want to talk about someone who should not fight. And who should not be doing the shit that they're doing. And who needs to calm the hell down. Because here's the thing. Everything I've been talking about so far, these are real world issues. These are real things that affect real people. But John Morant seems to believe that real things don't affect him. And only whatever he wants to affect him affects him. And that he can do whatever the fuck he wants. John Morant has been involved in multiple incidents in the past week. Now, some of it was apparently previous, not necessarily now. But essentially, he was seen in a club holding a gun. There was an incident where he and his people pulled up on some Foot Locker employee who got into an argument with his mother. And then there was another incident, I think it was last summer, where Ja supposedly pulled out a gun around a teenager that he got into an argument with after a basketball game or something like that. Now, Ja has released a statement, and I want to read this because I want to provide context. Here's what he says. And this is about specifically the club incident. Everything else... There, you know, it's murky. His lawyers said that has been resolved. The Foot Locker thing was mostly a joke on social media. Here's his statement about last night. I take full responsibility for my actions last night. I'm sorry to my family, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, the city of Memphis, and the entire Grizzlies organization for letting you down. I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. So... That sort of sounds like Ja saying that he carries guns to deal with stress. I don't know. That's weird. But here's the thing. I know that a lot of dudes in the NBA come from really tough backgrounds. Not all of them. Some of them, you know, that's just a stereotype. And, and quite frankly, I don't know Ja Morant's history. And I'm not going to sit here and go read Wikipedia and try to determine Ja Morant's history from that. That would be That would be nonsense. I am... A neutral observer. I am not a person who grew up around him. I am not someone who is an insider. I don't know him. And so there's no way for me to judge where Ja Morant came from, what he came from, what his life was. I'm not going to try to do that. What I am going to say is regardless of where you came from, it's time to cut this shit out, man. You are, Ja Morant is universally regarded as the most electric player in the NBA today. That is something that I hear about Ja Morant all the time, not just from Grizzlies people, but from universally, from different media people, from fans. I have routinely heard people compare Ja Morant's hang time and athleticism to that of early career Michael Jordan. And I have heard people say, this is the most electrifying person since Michael Jordan. No one hangs in the air like Ja Morant does since Michael Jordan. The way this guy flies, I've never seen him before. 
This is an incredible athlete. And what seemingly was a really good person, a good leader, all of that. And now I'm not so sure about the latter. Because, listen, I understand the idea that, you know, someone gets in an argument with your mother, you want to fight them or whatever. But, like, pulling up with a bunch of people on likely some kid or some loser or whatever who works at Foot Locker because he got in an argument with your mom, it's not at all possible your mom was entitled because you have hundreds of millions of dollars. That's not possible. You're a rich person now. So maybe we don't need to, like, pull up on Foot Locker employees or whatever the store was. Like, have, do we not learn lessons from Gilbert Arenas? Did we really not fucking learn our lesson from that shit? In case you forgot that fun little episode, Gilbert Arenas and Javaris Crittenden got into it during a game. And Javaris Crittenden said he would shoot Gilbert Arenas. So Gilbert Arenas brought a box of guns to the arena and put them in Javaris Crittenden's locker with a note that said, like, choose which gun you want to shoot me with or something. Now, haha, very funny. Arenas ends up suspended. Crittenden, I think, ends up cut. And guess what? Now Javaris Crittenden's in jail for murder. Yeah, because he subsequently committed a murder. This shit isn't funny. And it's not fun to antagonize dudes around you who literally came from criminal backgrounds. And now John Morant, whether he came from that background or not, whether he's one of these dudes or not, is wanting to promote that image. And listen, I'm not some person, I don't give a fuck about, you know, David Stern used to get mad about hip-hop culture, and but I'm not trying to, I'm not that dude. I fucking love hip-hop culture. I love the clothes. I love the attitude. I love all of it. I love the Grizzlies' attitude. I love that they play whoop that trick when they beat teams. I love everything. I love all of that. You cannot be going around in public with a gun, pulling guns on 17-year-olds, pulling up on random footlocker. You got to stop this shit. You are an NBA superstar. You are no longer some dude. You are no longer some dude. And whether that is some dude on the block or some dude at the bar or some dude at the club, it doesn't matter. You can't be that guy anymore. And if you were never that guy, you should not be trying to promote the image of being that guy. I don't know who John Moran is. I don't know who he was, but I know this is stupid. This is stupid. Why are you threatening people, man? Is your life not good enough? You have hundreds of millions of dollars coming your way. He's already on an extension. Who knows how much money he'll make in his career? He's going to make a billion dollars probably in his career. What is so horrible about your life that you need to be violent against people? Because it's not the money. It's not the having money for, you know, people around you. It's not putting a roof over your family's head or putting food on the table. So what are you so mad about? Because this is not it, man. This is not it. This is this is what I'm talking about. I'm sitting here saying to you, like, there are real issues going on in the world and we need to be prepared for those. And John Morant is trying to fight with whatever dude looks at him sideways. This is not Rucker Park in New York where you're trying to fist fight dudes to prove that you're the coolest dude before you go home and fuck your girl and then go serve food at whatever place you work at. Like, you're Joff fucking Morant. You're one of the faces of the NBA. You're the future of the league. You're the proof that being in a small market doesn't matter and you can dominate and still land a dude who will be loyal. You're supposed to matter. And this dude is just like, nah, I want to pull guns in clubs because I want to look like a cool motherfucker. Well, guess what, Ja? Looking like a cool motherfucker has now damaged your image. 
This is not the dude that we thought John Morant was. I never, ever viewed John Morant this way. I viewed John Morant as tough. I viewed John Morant as a badass. I viewed John Morant as someone who annoyed the shit out of me because he kept beating my team in critical moments. But I never viewed him as a dude who was stupid, who had no judgment, who was not a leader. That is in no way how I have viewed John Morant. And that is not what I've thought about him at all until now. Now I'm questioning this dude. And it has nothing to do with, like, gun rights or whatever. Again, I've said in this episode, you go far enough left, you get your guns back. I understand gun rights, especially in a world where I would prefer that there were no guns, okay? I would prefer that all guns were just destroyed. I absolutely 100% believe that. However, it is stupid for Republicans to be the only ones who understand and own guns. Like, at the very least, we should know how to operate them. Because in a world where something did happen, they shouldn't be the only ones who have and know how to use guns. That's bad. So at the very least, leftists should know how to use guns, if not own them, for certain situations. Again, I would prefer that guns don't exist, but I understand the necessity in certain scenarios. Those scenarios do not include clubbing and playing basketball against 17-year-olds, okay? Now, I don't know, I'm not trying to, I don't know about the Foot Locker thing, I don't, I haven't heard anything about a gun there, so I'm not trying to, like, say that he did that or conflate whatever, but the point is that Ja Morant very seriously seems to believe that nobody can question him, nobody can look at him the wrong way, and that he can do whatever he wants if necessary. That he can intimidate people, that he can threaten people, whatever he wants. And he can sit there and smile in the media and do all this stuff all you want. You very clearly have a judgment problem. And maybe this is new. Maybe this is something where, you know, you get $200 million, you know, locked in and suddenly, you know, you're not making such good choices. I can understand that. And the thing I will say about this, I'm a forgiving person, and I have always loved and respected John Morant. I hate him on the court, like, because he's hit multiple game winners against the Suns, but I love him, like, as a dude. So, this is a dude that I want to forgive, and I want to say, hey, John, no biggie. You are a good example for the kids in the community. Let's do this. But this is not like John Morant was at a rifle range, you know, shooting target practice and explaining responsible gun ownership or whatever. This is a dude with a pistol in his waistband trying to look like a badass rapper on social media. And that's not how this is going to go. That's not how it's going to look. That's not how people are going to take it because that's not who you are. You are not a rapper. You are the point guard of the Memphis Grizzlies. You are the leader of that organization. You are the franchise fucking player. You are the CEO of the Grizzlies. I don't care who has the actual title of CEO of the Grizzlies. It's actually Ja Morant. That's actually the truth. Ja Morant runs the goddamn show in Memphis. That's what it is. And you just have to be better than this. We just can't. We cannot continue going down this path. Whether or not these NBA dudes like it. You are a role model for like the majority of the kids in the country. NBA players are superstars in this country. They are everything. And you've got to be better than that. And again, this has nothing to do with gun ownership or gun rights or whatever. It's, it has nothing to do with that. If John Morant posted a video of himself at a shooting range, that's a completely different scenario. Like I sat here and watched... You know, Keanu Reeves doing his John Wick 3 training at a range with Halle Berry. And I thought that shit was awesome. Okay? Like, I'm not a person. Again, I would love that guns don't exist. But I'm not a person who's going to sit here 
and pearl clutch over someone owning a gun. I understand the world that we live in. I really do. I wish that we didn't live in that world, but it is the world that we live in. And given that it is the world that we live in, if Ja was at a range doing anything responsible, even just showing off guns at his home in a gun safe, anything responsible, this is totally different. But that you might brandish a gun at a 17-year-old who might have said something or done who knows what it was. That's pathetic. That's embarrassing. That's a joke. That's that's a joke. That's an absolute joke. And John Morant is better than that. And you're not going to fucking go at kids and then get sympathy from me. You're not going to go at a Foot Locker employee and get sympathy from me. You're not going to go at a person who's making $15 an hour just trying to live selling shoes because they, I don't care what it was. I don't care if they were rude to your mother. You're not going to fucking show up and tell their boss, let me know when they get off work, blah, blah, blah. That kind of shit is embarrassing. That's embarrassing. I don't care if that person was rude. It doesn't matter. They're a fucking retail employee. Their life is immeasurably harder than yours or your mother's. Now, maybe your mother's life in the past was so much harder than we can ever imagine. I understand that. It's not anymore. Once you start making millions of dollars to play a game and the people in your family start going around demanding that you attack people who don't treat them well, you've graduated to a new fucking level of asshole. And it just doesn't matter where you came from or who you are. Ja Morant needs to grow up. He needs to be a man. This is not the behavior of a man. This is the behavior of a child. Pulling a gun on a teenager is childish behavior. Showing up with your friends to beat up a Foot Locker employee is childish behavior. Pulling a gun in a club for Instagram is childish fucking behavior. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how cool you are. It doesn't matter this, that, or the other. You look like a joke. And... This is not a race issue because I would feel the same fucking way if it was Joe Ingles or Grayson Allen or any other white person in the NBA. I don't know why I just went to two Bucks players, but apparently I don't have a lot of respect for white people in Milwaukee. Again, Malcolm Brogdon said they were incredibly racist, so maybe that's why. The point is, I don't care who it is. You can't do this. You simply can't do this. John Moran has got to be better than this. The statement is fine. It's not like he even said that. That's crafted by a PR person. I want to see the results. I want to see John Morant participate in something in the community that shows that he learned from this. And again, I'm not saying you can't own a gun. But you should be standing up for responsible gun ownership at the absolute very least going forward from this. And... I'm just disappointed. I am. And I hate to be like the white person on an audio basketball thing being all, oh, I'm disappointed in this young black athlete, blah, blah, blah. But I I just think anyone should be. This is not what you should be fucking doing. And the 17-year-old thing, I know that they denied that, whatever. I don't care. Like, I just, we now have proof that you pull guns. So stop telling me that you would never and you're such a person and you would blah, blah, blah. We now have proof that you don't make good decisions. So I no longer believe, you no longer have the benefit of the doubt with me. And in a season where the Grizzlies are doing so well, the number two seed, I know that they've been sliding lately, but the team continues to ascend. This is not what you need. And I know that his teammates are not going to 
turn on him. And I know that the city of Memphis is not going to turn on him. I know that in the grand scheme of things, this will probably not really affect Ja Morant's life. But do you want to answer questions about this forever? Like, do you want every single major interview that you ever go through to be about all the times that you pulled guns? Because you invite that shit when you do this. And you just got to be better. And I think he will be. I hope he will be. I want to believe he will be. I don't think this is who he is. But this is just dumb shit attitude. And you got to be better than this. Facts. 36 minutes into this episode. Let's actually talk some fucking basketball. Now, I hope that everyone is good and angry after all of that. But I also hope that you can... You know, calm down and talk to me about this or not talk to me. Well, talk to me. Here's the thing. When I listen to a podcast, I yell at the radio. So I hope that when you listen to me and you disagree with me, you yell back. Because that way I know that you're engaged in listening. So I really hope that at least like five times per episode you yell, you're a fucking idiot. Because that way I know you're listening. Kevin Durant has played two games with the Suns. They have both been pretty simple wins. Um, not really close in the fourth quarter, either game. It's been awesome. It's been fun. I wanted to talk about what I have seen from those games and what I'm expecting tomorrow. Because tomorrow, Durant, Booker, Luka, Kyrie, Suns versus Mavs on ESPN, national television game. Gonna be awesome. Hopefully everyone's playing in that one. Should be the kind of game that we're looking forward to. Especially, of course, after the Suns choked away in the playoffs in Game 7 against the Mavs last year. What a disaster that was. Not that you can get payback for a playoff series in a regular season game, but Game 1 of this year, me and my boy Keith were at that game. We stole a victory against the Mavs when they were dominating us, and if we come out this weekend and dominate them with KD, we're going to show them what's up, and we're going to reset all of the karma in this series. Now, what I've seen from Durant so far has been phenomenal, but it also supports the idea that I had that... Everyone is talking about this is Kevin Durant's team now. This is KD's team. It's Kevin Durant. He's a top 10 player of all time. The Suns don't even have a championship, you know, blah, 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 blah. Fine. But I don't think that that's true. I do think that Kevin Durant is coming here to play off Devin Booker. Now, it's only been two games. So the first couple games, you know, KD is still fitting in, still finding his way. You can't take too much from that. I understand that. But what I see from KD is an understanding that he is 34 years old and that it is time to not have to necessarily do everything. I mean, I think that we can agree that, you know, I mean, Kyrie requested a trade, got his trade to Dallas, and then Kevin wanted out immediately because he didn't want to do everything. He didn't want to do everything on his own. He didn't want to support an entire team himself. He didn't want to support a team of role players to try to chase a championship. You know, it's it's nearly impossible to do that. But so many guys, when they're younger in their careers, think they can, and they'll take on those situations. But KD knew. And I'm not saying that KD won't be the number one option down the stretch of a lot of these playoff games. He's still Kevin fucking Durant. But what I'm saying is... I don't think that Kevin Durant necessarily wants to or should have to carry the load during every single game anymore. When you watch these games so far, KD is choosing his moments. He is choosing his spots to attack. He is finding those moments in which he sees a lane or when he's got an open shot or when he's got a mismatch. 
And he's not just just taking every shot. He's not dominating the ball. He's playing off of what's going on. Everything is still running through Booker. Again, I know it's two games. And I know that there's only so much that you can figure out through two games. But what everyone has correctly noted thus far is that everything KD loves to do is what the Suns already do. And so it's not as if he doesn't understand this offense. It's not as if he doesn't know what's going on. And he is playing in a role where he's there's there's almost been no creation for him. Like he's not on the ball, like creating situations where he may get assists. Like he is playing off the ball all the time, looking to attack when he gets it. And again, there will be changes as his usage goes up. He's going to be in more of a playmaker role. I understand that. But through two games, what has been very clear is that Chris Paul no longer has to shoot, and he's not even looking to shoot. And everything is going to run through Devin Booker, at least to start. And what this means is that Booker has been freed up from so much of, I mean, it's still Kevin Durant. So you can't just sit there and throw everything at Booker. You can't even necessarily put your best defender on Booker. You have to put what you can on him. And Booker is all over the place. Through these first games, he scored like 75 points in these first two games, like Booker is fucking balling. Like he's he's all over the place scoring. He's also just like 15 assists. Like he's just creating all over the place, whether it's for himself or for his teammates. Now, in the second quarter of this game against the Bulls, he did take a few shots that were kind of ill-advised and Paul was standing around a little bit. There's still there's still kinks to work out because one thing about KD being there is that Booker isn't getting nearly as many double teams. So he doesn't have to exert as much energy just getting open. And so that's getting him so many one-on-ones that he's like taking every shot because he's just, he's free to do it. And you can see it like when he's playing, like Booker's playing at a hundred fucking miles an hour and he's, he's playing so fast. He's attacking the rim. He's getting into one-on-ones. He's doing everything he can so fast because he's so excited to be in one-on-ones because he's been doubled and doubled and doubled for years now. And you can't do that with Durant around because he just whips the ball out to the wide open shooter. And you can see him playing at 100 miles an hour. And he's going to have to slow down a little bit, regain a little bit of composure because he, he played too fast in this game. But you can see that once the chemistry is there, they're going to destroy teams. And one thing in this Bulls game that I loved so much was that they ran the Chris Paul elbow play like 10 times in the first quarter. And we all know it. And it's the snake play where Paul comes around the screen, gets to the elbow, and then kind of takes a hesitation back and he fires a jumper because he's basically able to use the pick to create so much space that he's the, the shot's up immediately. So we ran that play over and over, but instead of Paul coming off and shooting at the elbow, he would whip it to Okoji in the corner. And Okoji had like 18 points in the first quarter or something. Like He had 18 in the first half at least. Okoji was balling. He had three threes in the first quarter. Okoji's not even a shooter. He has never been a shooter in his career, and this year he is absolutely shooting the lights out because, hey, you're standing in the corner and getting wide open shots. And now those shots are coming off Durant. And those little things are are so are so crucial because... This is what Monty Williams is good at. His rotations drive me a little crazy. Some of the choices he makes drive me a little nuts in terms of this dude's getting minutes now. He's not getting minutes now. But Monty is a master of manipulating pick and roll plays to find, you know, new ways to new wrinkles. And, you know, whether this is Chris Paul or assistants, whatever, Monty's got it going on as head coach. This is how we got to the finals when we were not considered a finals team is that our pick and rolls were so incredibly complicated that 
and again, that comes with Chris Paul, but it was so difficult for teams to figure out the coverage that it was taking games for them to do it. Unfortunately, Giannis was able to. We were also injured at that point, but Giannis was Giannis. What are you going to do? Booker still was balling in the finals, though. Booker scored 41 in a closeout game that shouldn't be forgotten. Anyway, um, these these pick and rolls now are getting so complicated because you have either Chris Paul coming off that snake shot to score the easy bucket that he always gets, or he can whip it to the corner to the wide-open shooter. And if you do rotate down to cover that wide-open shooter, well, good luck because if you somehow cover Chris Paul then that's going to leave Durant or Booker wide open or Aiton's going to be standing next to the basket with nobody there I mean I I don't know how you cover the Suns team this does remind me a lot of and no one's talking about this because we don't get the national coverage the other team gets but when Durant went to the Warriors and you watch them play and it was just like I don't fucking know what to do with this this is very similar and the Warriors never had an interior presence like DeAndre Ayton and that is something that the Suns do have that in this NBA you need because you know we reached a point where everyone was like oh the center is gone okay well Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and DeAndre Ayton and in some lineups Giannis Antetokounmpo like the big man is back in this league and you cannot get through the playoffs without one and this Suns team is built to do that. And that's one thing. Another thing about KD, his 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 chemistry with DeAndre Ayton is, is top fucking notch. And DA said after their first practice that KD was telling him, I trust you to switch. You know, you don't need to worry about me. And what happens in the first game? DA gets 16 points and 16 boards. What is something that we have constantly complained about DeAndre Ayton? His rebounding. But I don't think that most Suns fans understand the reason that DeAndre Ayton's rebounding is rough is because he constantly has to cover for the defensive deficiencies of his teammates. If he's playing defense for the five and the four, he's going to be out of position for rebounds. And that happens constantly where he has to rotate to cover a shot because someone else didn't cover properly. And now DA's out of position on the rebound and someone else gets an offensive board. It happens constantly. And people kill him for rotating. Well, guess what? Kevin Durant is also a fucking elite defender. KD blocked a couple of shots in his first game with the Suns. I don't know what it was against the Bulls, but the defense looks so crisp. Now, what I worry about with the Suns a little bit is figuring out the bench rotation. Because here's the thing. In the second quarter of this Bulls game, there was no offensive structure. The Suns scored 40 in the first and 20 in the second. And the Bulls took the lead at halftime, 64 to 60, after the Suns totally dominating them in the first quarter. Now, again, the Suns got right in the third, figured it out, and the fourth quarter really wasn't much of a challenge. But you shouldn't be falling apart that hard. And I think that it does come down to a couple of things. Number one, Monty's got to stop with the all-bench units. You literally have four core players. With Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton, you should never have a five-man bench unit on the floor. One of those dudes should always be on the court, always, at all times. There's no excuse for not having one of those four on the court. There should not be five-man bench units for extended periods in important games. Really, in playoff games, there shouldn't be five-man bench units at all. One of those dudes should always be on the court. And Monty has got to realize that this whole, well, I trust my bench and we're going to give these guys, it doesn't, in the playoffs, you need your core four. You have got to have them out there. You either need Paul to orchestrate the offense, you need Booker or KD for absolute buckets, or you need DA for easy layups and elite defense. You got to have one of those guys. I, 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 the, the bench lineups don't work and they don't make sense now. I understand the idea that, 
okay, Tory Craig is now moving to the bench because we're starting a Koji. And so having an all-bench lineup with Tory Craig is somewhat like having a starter in there because Tory's been starting most of the season. But Tory is still an off-ball shooter. I understand the concept of running a bench lineup with TJ Warren, Terrence Ross, and Tory Craig. I get that. I really do. Because you will get buckets with that lineup. But I've got news for you. You either need Chris Paul to orchestrate those buckets, or if you have campaign out there, you need DeAndre Ayton to play defense. So we have the depth. We have the ability. But we really, honest to God, need to make sure that we've got one of our guys out there at all times. We need to stagger. And if that means pulling Chris Paul and Devin Booker or KD slightly earlier, you know, you want to pull Paul and KD earlier, let Booker and Aiton play the whole first quarter, then you bring out Paul and KD to start the second. Whatever you want to do, make sure that we've got elite players on the court at all times because we are one of the only teams in the league with four of these motherfuckers. We have four of them. And you should never, ever be playing a bench unit. And I hope that Monty learns that. It's not something that he's learned in his whole career. I love Monty Williams. He's a great basketball mind. But even as a neutral, non-coach observer, I'm not neutral, but I'm a Suns fan. But I mean, just even as a person who's not a coach, I can sit here and tell you his lineups need work. It is true. And I really, honest to God, hope that having a core four will solve that problem on its own. The thing is, I know that's difficult right now. You know, KD's still on a minutes restriction. So there is, you know, some... You know, coming off the MRI strain, you know, he won't play as many minutes. That's fine. But that's what I'm looking for this Sunday. I want to see one of those four dudes on the court at all times. I also want to see how the Suns' defense and offensive structure handles in that second and third quarter when we're going to those bench lineups. Because truthfully, the Suns have had problems with meltdowns this year where things are going well and then it just falls apart. It happened against the Rockets. It happened against the Wizards, two teams that we should never lose to. And we just have situations where we melt down sometimes. And some of it comes from the number of injuries we've had this year. No one was healthy. We went through so much. Well, now we're healthy. Now everyone's back. We've got a superstar player we're adding to the mix. We're in the groove. So how do you handle all of that? And can you keep your defense on point? Because we know that the Mavs killed us with the shooting last year. Now, I don't know that they have the 3 and D wings to make it happen, especially after the Kyrie trade. And I do want to see how we pick on Kyrie. And side note, these rumors that the Suns might sign Kyrie this summer in a sign-in trade by like declining Chris Paul's option or something, that's not fucking happening. And the financials basically make it almost impossible. So please miss me with this Kyrie to the Suns bullshit. It's not fucking happening. We're winning the goddamn championship and we're picking up Chris Paul's option. That's what's happening. But anyway, I'm looking tomorrow to see how does the Suns pick and roll attack the Mavs defense? How does the Mavs pick and roll attack the Suns defense? Can DeAndre Ayton be the force that he needs to be? This is a game where DeAndre should show out because he should be able to just like get to the rim, score on the Mavs, block shots, defend everything. Like This should be another 16, 16, 18, 18, 20, 20 game for DeAndre. Now that you have KD... You should be able to do all this. There's going to be so many open shots at the rim, one-on-one shots over smaller you know, defenders, putbacks, and there's going to be so many rebounds because you do not have to rotate and cover because KD is such a good defender. The Suns should win this game. They've played two games against two, like kind of like one bad opponent, then a middling opponent. Now you've got a halfway decent team and a superstar in Luka and a somewhat superstar in Kyrie. I want to see another 15 to 20 point win. That's what I'm looking for tomorrow. 
Three quick things I want to talk about before we get out of here. These are not going to be super long ones, just stuff I want to say. Number one, I want to renew my support for DeMar DeRozan. Number one, during that Suns-Bulls game, I mean, we all talk about, oh, Booker is the mid-range master. Chris Paul is the mid-range master. Kevin Durant is the mid-range master. And they showed how over the last, like, 10 years or whatever, seven years, whatever, those three were number two, three, and four in the mid-range shots made range. And they were all in, like, the 700 range and proved how good they were in the mid-range. But it also showed number one was DeMar fucking DeRozan with, like, 1,200, okay? So real quick, let's acknowledge that the real master of the mid-range is DeMar DeRozan. It is a fact. It is true. And even I will acknowledge it. As much as I love having three mid-range assassins on the Suns, DeMar is the king of the mid-range. That is just a fact. And the reason that I bring this up is I still believe the 2019 Raptors would have won the finals if they didn't trade DeMar for Kawhi. I still believe that. I still do. I don't care what anyone says. I I don't care how that makes people crazy. It's what I believe. Kawhi was amazing during that run, but his knee was also hurt, and tons of his damage was done from the mid-range, which is where DeMar is incredible. And yes, Kawhi is an all-world defender where DeMar never was, but that doesn't change the fact that Kawhi was not himself during that playoff run. He was not able to exert the same level of control and force over the game that he once was. He was very good. Very good. But we all forget that they basically nearly lost that series against 76ers. But for an incredible shot by Kawhi, absolutely. Four bounces and in. Amazing. No one doubts the incredible, amazing shot that he made. But... Part of the reason he had to make such an incredible shot was because the Raptors could not maintain leads that they had built when Joel Embiid sat because Kawhi wasn't himself. It's just kind of what it was. Kawhi has never been himself again. Did he win in the finals? Absolutely. Win finals MVP? Yes. Against a Warriors team that was missing the majority of their superstar players and was down to Steph Curry. Draymond Green, and a bunch of dudes who like aren't even in the league now. Now, I'm not saying you still have Steph, you still have Draymond, you're still in it. But KD is out, Clay is out, they've got no other dudes. It was an impressive win for the Raptors, but DeMar still would have won that series. I believe 100% that the Raptors title in 2019 is locked in, regardless of whether or not Kawhi is there. I believe that DeMar would have helped them win, and I think he would still be there in that case, and I think that he would have gone down in Raptors history. I, I just I don't care what anyone thinks. I stand by that one. I don't give a shit. Everyone can fucking tell me whatever the fuck they want. I stand by that shit. The Raptors win the title in 2019 with DeMar. DeMar gets the finals MVP and his career is viewed very differently, much closer to a Dirk than something else. That's how I view DeMar. I don't care what anyone else says. I love DeMar DeRozan. So, you know, I hope that uh, he gets a season with the Suns before it's all said and done. Come, come, dude. When this Bulls contract is over, come to the Suns on a mid-level. You've made a bunch of money. Come to the Suns on a mid-level. Come to the mid-range team. Come come to a team that will endorse your mid-range play, show you for what you are, and help you win a finals MVP because you've been playing off Paul Booker and KD. You get wide open shots all game. I want to see it. I want DeMar DeRozan to replace Josh Okoji in next year's lineup because truth be told, the Suns are not going to be able to keep Okoji. Well, maybe Matt Ishbia will pay. I don't know. 
I'm lit up right now. I'm excited. I know that I'm, my brain's all over the place. You're like, wow, you're talking fast. Yeah, that's, that's how it goes as I get more and more wasted as the show goes on. I have told you since the beginning I would never do this show sober. I stand by it. I never have. I'm always drunk, high, or both. Two more things. On the Kawhi Leonard front, I don't think that Kawhi gives a shit about basketball anymore. And I'm not trying to judge him as a person, but when I watch Kawhi Leonard play basketball now, it is not the same person that it once was. And I know that everyone says, well, we, this five-game stretch, Kawhi's done this, Kawhi's done this. But that dude stands around too much. And the fire that he played with in Toronto, and indeed the fire that he played with in San Antonio, like Kawhi was always an understated guy. And then the big moments would happen and you would see the fire come out. The scream that he let out when he made that four-bounce shot against Philadelphia, you've never seen Kawhi show that emotion. And you've really never seen it with the Clippers at all. Yeah, Kawhi is not a vocal leader, but this team doesn't have it. And as my boy B, shout out, we need to get you on the show again. I don't know why you're avoiding me. Fuck you, bro. But anyway, as B DM'd me recently, he showed me, Paul George said recently, you know, yeah, I knew I wasn't the number one guy on a championship team. And I had to come to terms with that and blah, blah, blah. Paul George doesn't have it, dude. You can't admit that out loud. It doesn't matter if it's true. You cannot say out loud on a podcast, hey, yeah, I'm not a number one option on a championship team. You don't do that. That's that. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen in the playoffs when you miss a shot? Do you think your defender is going to be like, it's all good, Paul, you're the man? Or do you think you're going to say, yeah, dude, that's what happens when you're not a number one option? Because guess what? These motherfuckers talk. And if you say shit in the media, they will bring that to you. And I just, I don't know that Paul George or Kawhi Leonard have what it takes to be the man on any of these teams. I mean, look at, okay, Kawhi has two finals MVPs. But look at the makeup of those teams that he won a finals MVP on. He was part of the Spurs organization with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. Three dudes who clearly outranked him. Now, was he the best player in that finals? Yes. Do I kill myself for not putting money on him every single day when he was 18 to 1 and I knew that if the Spurs won that finals, he would be the MVP? Yes, I kill myself for that. But there were still three undisputed, at least in terms of, you know, attitude and captaincy. There were three undisputed alpha dogs on that team, and Kawhi was not one of them. Fast forward to his situation with the Raptors, that's Kyle Lowry's team. Now, is Kawhi the best player on the team? Absolutely. But that's still Kyle Lowry's team. And that does matter. Coming to the Clippers, it was Kawhi's team. And if it wasn't Kawhi's team, it was Paul George's team. And those are two dudes who don't know how to fucking speak up and lead. And I just don't think that these Clippers are ever going to go anywhere. And I, I know that I sat here and said, well, the thing about these Clippers is now they've got a point guard in Russell Westbrook who can kind of move the ball. And even if it doesn't work with Westbrook, we understand the thought process of having that blah, blah, blah. They need a leader. Westbrook is not the dude he once was, so he can't be that alpha dog. But it's like they need a leader. And until they have one, it won't matter. I mean, this would be the team that, you know, if the Suns stupidly moved on from Kyrie Irving. The, Chris Paul should go back to the Clippers because they badly need a leader. They need someone to speak because they don't fucking know what's going on. And I just honestly think that this Clippers team is done as a contender. This is not a real contender. This Clippers team is not a contender. And that's the last thing I wanted to say. The real contenders in the West are the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, and the Nuggets. 
The Warriors are dependent on health. The Grizzlies are dependent on whatever the fuck is going on with John Morant. But it's those two. And then, of course, the Suns. You add KD, you're a contender. It doesn't matter. The Nuggets are the number one seed, so we got to give them that respect. But that's who it is. The Clippers are not part of this group. The Clippers are not contenders. And the Lakers are obviously not contenders. I'm not even going to talk about them. I don't get, oh, what, LeBron? In it? Give, me a, give me a break. Give me a break. Give me a break. I love LeBron. I love him so much. I wish he wasn't hurt. He's incredible. But that team is not a contender. There are four contenders in the West. And the Clippers aren't one of them either. And for as good as Kawhi is, I just don't think he cares enough. You you watch some of these games and he stands there. He fucking stands there for so much of the game. And, you know, people are like, oh, you can't criticize. Yes, I can. I, I'm watching. I am watching him stand there and not involve himself in the offense and not do anything. I am watching. The, the Clippers the other night had a huge a double-digit lead. And as it was being erased, Kawhi stands there and watches the game. He doesn't care enough. It's not, and, and if it's just that he's not healthy enough to play at that level, then that's a whole other issue. Then maybe he's just not healthy enough, but he's not Kawhi anymore. Whether it's from a care perspective or a health perspective, we keep saying, well, the Clippers are going to be all these things. And then Kawhi plays three games that are good and everyone fawns and then they ignore the rest of it. This Clippers team is never winning a title. I don't know that the Clippers are ever winning a title, ever. I, I don't know what it would take for that team to win, but this Clippers team is not a contender. And to hear them constantly, people are always like, well, they're better than the Suns, Kawhi and Paul George. <laughs> Everyone in the NBA would take Devin Booker over both of those two right now. Okay? That's a fact. Everyone would take Kevin Durant over them, of course. So stop trying to tell me that the Clippers are this insta-contender. They're not. They're a bunch of really good wing players and now a point guard who can force the issue, but it's a mismatched team and their two best players just don't have the mental makeup or care enough to do it. This is not a contender. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard will never win a championship on the Clippers and they will never even see an NBA Finals on the Clippers. And that's the Blood Doctor Show on this Saturday. Enjoy your afternoon. Enjoy your evening. Enjoy your night. Live for those around you because we only get one of these lives as far as we know. And if we are reincarnated, tell your kids to watch the Blood Doctor Show. And if you're not reincarnated, tell your kids to watch the Blood Doctor Show. And now, I'm going to get on this spaceship and I'm going to go to Blargon 7 in search of alternative fuels. And when I get back in 200 years, you'll be long gone. And I won't have aged a day. So Adrian, baby, you tell your great, great, great granddaughter to look me up. Because Adrian, baby, I'm going to want to meet her. <laughs> Oh, I don't know why that came to mind, but if you laughed, you're a person I love. Peace.